right. Well, good afternoon and welcome back to this week's edition of Table Talk. Uh, it's good to have you back with us. This week we are in Unit 9. It's Luke 7, verses 1 through 17, and that's going to be page 82 in your Certainty Study Guide and Sermon Guide. And this week at the table, Pebbles Forbus. Yeah. Welcome back. Thank you. <laughs> welcome back to the table, but also welcome back to the country. Yeah. <laughs> where, where have you been the past few months? Um, the months of January and February, I was in Albania. I was serving with YWAM, Youth with the Mission. So I completed a discipleship Bible school with them, and then we did a two-month overseas outreach. Oh, fantastic. Did, now, did you use the, the Bible school content in your mission, or was it sort of cumulative, everything? Or Yeah, sometimes. So I was given the opportunity to preach in churches there oh. and actually in a prison when I got to tell them the gospel message, which was amazing. Oh, wow. Well, yeah. Pebbles, I would, yeah. <laughs> so many questions. Uh, yeah. And I know many of you do, and we're probably going to hear a lot of that over the next several months. You're going to be uh, working uh, with the youth here yes. uh, for the summer. So yeah. uh, we'll be hearing those stories, and we look forward to it. So thank you, and thank you for joining us uh, just really upon your return. Of course. <laughs> and so this week also we have uh, Pastor Andrew Wild. Glad to be here. Now, uh, again, don't check your devices. You don't have to, to worry about that. Uh, you know Pastor David gave the message yesterday, uh, this weekend, but you're sitting in for David today. I'm in his chair. So that means you. That, that means the hot chair. That means you get the questions. <laughs> oh, all right. We've got a good question, right. a viewer question out there, too. So uh, before we get into that question and kind of look at this this uh, this passage, uh, we're in uh, this, this Luke 7, 1 through 17, where there are these two healings. Uh, that Jesus performs, and they really carry with them some significant theological implications, a, a deeper message. Mm -hmm. Before we look at it, any first sort of insights or ahas or, wow, I didn't think about that until I heard this or read this? Pebbles. Um, I think my, my, my biggest thing is I really like that Jesus marveled at the centurion's <sighs> faith. Yeah. That's my biggest thing. Yeah. Uh, does that surprise you or? Yeah, yeah. for sure. Because it makes me want to like ask myself, how can I make Jesus marvel? You how are... can I use my faith to make Jesus marvel? Yeah. I think you read my notes. Really? Oh, <laughs> that's good. Okay. Andrew? I think for me, uh, David did a great job uh, just anticipating a question that kind of often arises in my mind as I go through this, when the centurion says, for I too am a man set under authority. And, you know, how come he didn't say, hey, I'm one in authority. So just the fact that, that the centurion is recognizing Jesus' relationship yeah. to the Father and that really his authority is God's authority and helping tease that out. Uh, that was a takeaway for me. Yeah, no, that was good. And yeah, like I said, it, it was it's verse nine, mm -hmm. uh, Pebbles, where it says that, you know, when Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him. And uh, I don't know if you caught, you know, uh, Pastor Beatty had said that there's really only twice that he's found, and I'm not sure of any other place, that Jesus marveled at someone or because of something. And it's it was the other end of the spectrum when he was in Nazareth. And it says, you know, even his, his own town, he marveled at their unbelief. Mm -hmm. And so this is the other end. And, um, you know, the same thing. I, I thought the same thing. I, I, I wonder, does my humility or my faith, uh, you know, does it, does it, w would Jesus marvel at it? Right. You know, is, is it, is it deep enough, rich enough, uh, genuine enough, uh, that he would truly marvel at it? It is something I think to, uh, to aspire mm -hmm. to as well. So 
Good, good, good word. Good insight. So uh, with that, would you read that passage for us? Verse 17. That'd be great. After he had finished saying all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. Now a centurion had a servant who was sick and at the point of death, who was highly valued by him. When the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent him elders of the Jews asking him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly, saying, He is worthy to have you do this for him, for he loves our nation, and he is the one who built our synagogue. And Jesus went with him. When he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourselves, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore, I did not presume to come to you, but say the word and let my servant be healed. For I, too, am a man sent under authority, with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him, and turning toward the crowd that followed him, said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. When those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the servant well. Soon afterward, he went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a great crowd went with him. And as he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out, and the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a considerable crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her. And he said to her, do not weep. Then he came up and touched the buyer, and the bearer stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak. And Jesus gave him to his mother. Fear seized them all. And they glorified God, saying, a great prophet has risen among us, and God has visited his people. And this report about him spread through the whole of Judea and the surrounding country. Oh, wow. Thank you, Pebbles. Yeah. That's, that is just so rich. Um, so much going on there. And um, in that, so a lot of questions. Um, one question from our viewer. Andrew, okay. so you're sitting in for David here, and then Pebbles, you and I can take a stab at it too, <laughs> if you want. Uh, this was a, uh, from our good friend and uh, the good doctor. Uh, Ishmael. He is a careful reader of scripture. He is a careful. And this is what's so, so great about this is that when, when we, um, when we desire to be in scripture so much that we, we do see the harmony of the gospels and, mm-hmm. we, and we know what one gospel says and what, what another gospel says, and we ask questions, right? Yeah. So his question is, why does the account according to Matthew seem to indicate that Jesus is speaking directly to the centurion while Luke's account records specifically that the centurion sent men to speak with Jesus? I count this as not essential, but I am curious. Wow. Uh, yeah. And that is a great question, is it not? I mean, um, I hope um, that, that when I read, I'm able to detect differences like that. But so I, I want to applaud Ishmael for such careful study of the scriptures, such a Berean there. It, it, yes, there is a discrepancy there. And mm-hmm. um, I'll just say that to me, in some ways, um, although my answer not might be very satisfactory. I just want to say, like, it's assuring to me that there is a discrepancy. And I say that because if this was something that we were going to cook up, if like we were going to sit around in the second century or the third century and say, hey, you know, 
let's take the Jesus of the faith and let's turn him into the Christ of Christianity and let's kind of embellish some of these things. Let's, you know, let's add some myth to it and, and blow this out of proportion. If we were doing that, we would sit down together in the study and we would iron out all these differences. Yeah, we yeah. would like, hey, you know, that yours is a little different from mine, so we got to smooth this over yeah. so it so there's more harmony here. Yeah. So the fact that there is a discrepancy leads me to believe that these are, you know, th- this wasn't ironed out in the third century. These are these are the historical documents that were written yeah, in the I first agree. century, yep. um, in two different locations by people mm-hmm. who just wanted to do a, a, an, an accurate representation of what happened. And um, this is my take on it. Okay. Uh, but my take is that even though Matthew is not prone to abbreviate, he's normally one to add details. Right. I think in this case, Matthew might have abbreviated. And, and um, in the same way that, you know, the press secretary for the White House might issue a statement and people could say, well, the president said... In the same way that these individuals going on behalf of the the centurion, Matthew could abbreviate and just say the centurion said, and and, and I think we even see a little bit of that in in Luke seven, when uh-huh. if you get to this where he says, um, uh, I'm looking at verse nine now. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him. Now who's he marveling at? The actual centurion isn't there according to right. Luke. Right. It's his messengers, mm-hmm. yeah. and yet Jesus is still marveling at the centurion. So I, I see Matthew maybe more abbreviating and and just giving a condensed yeah. account, and it was such that it, the representatives were speaking on his behalf that he could say the centurion was saying these things. Yeah, yeah. That's my. What, what yeah. is your thought? Well, you know, I think what's what's um, sort of comforting to me is that it, um, there's like this. Um, you know, when we first look at it, our initial thought is, uh oh, this how can, these aren't even the same thing. And then we, we step back, we say, okay, yeah. what, what possibly, you know, let's put ourselves back into a first century perspective mm-hmm. and get ourselves out of ours. And then at the end of the day, there's, there's number of ways this is actually uh, very much in harmony. A couple of those ways seem to be possibly uh, the sequencing. In other words, you know, Matthew says that, the, uh, that he says to the centurion, he sort of moves past the group conversation and goes straight to the final conversation mm-hmm. and just didn't find to his audience that that was necessary. Yeah. Um, he, he wanted to show, you know, more emphasis on the centurion. Luke wanted to demonstrate sort of the, the interaction between mm-hmm. the Jewish elders and their respect for this individual. Uh, the other is proximity. You know, basically it says that as he drew near him as well, Luke, Luke even says that as he get, was not far from the house, that there's this aspect or understanding that, I mean, this could even be like out in the front yard, that the centurion is saying, hey, you don't come under my roof because you will be unclean. I know that much. Mm-hmm. And there's almost like I'm talking through these three or four guys and they're just like 10 feet between me and you, Jesus, yeah. right? That there was still that humility that... He still felt mm-hmm. he had to go through, but yet Jesus could speak straight to him. He would verbally and you know audially hear that. Um, and then, and then the other is just the, um, it, like you said, I think I, I went back to like in my past career. Uh, I thought, okay, you know, one of the things I really enjoyed because I really was blessed to to work with um, and partner with a couple of labor unions, and you work through the the negotiations and the annual deals, and you know, every three years or every five years, and and it was very common. I thought, you know, that I would go back and they said, "What did you tell them?" Well, I, I you know, I told the employees that we could give something on the benefits, but we'd have to do something on the compensation. I never told the employees that. 
I worked through this negotiating committee and they went back and told the employees that. But my language was exactly as Luke's is here. Mm -hmm. And so you start, you know, I think there's some of that as well. So I think at the end of the day, we don't know for sure. Mm -hmm. Yep. But we, we do know that Matthew and Luke being inspired recorded the events that mm -hmm. were important for their readers to hear yes. mm -hmm. and that they were certainly in harmony. It was the same event. I do think it was the same event, yes, too, I, especially because so. um, there, there's a similar event in John chapter four. OK, but it's uh, it's, it's with a son and not a servant. And I, and I think that might be a different event. I think this is the same event. And they, they, they both have it almost immediately after the Sermon on the Mount or the Sermon on the Plain, whatever you want to call yes, it, is, yeah. is, is where yeah. this is in, yeah. in the chronological sequence of events. Yeah. What do you think, Pebbles? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but Matthew would have been an account from Matthew, and Luke would have been an account of many eyewitnesses. And Luke was a That's doctor, right. so I would imagine Luke being like interviewing someone like, okay, how did you see this story? And like asking questions and maybe pulling out more details to the account where Matthew would have just been saying what he wanted, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, what I recall is, is Jesus healed the centurion's servant and he told the centurion your faith, you know, and, and, and Luke is sort mm -hmm. of, that's right. It's, it's yeah. kind of gathering that too. Yeah, very good. End of the day, I agree with Dr. Goko. Uh, there's a non-essential aspect to it. That's right. But it's an important, you know, process activity for us because you have people who will point and say, uh-oh, contradiction. You can't believe anything, right? And it's <laughs> yeah. just not true, right? Mm -hmm. That's just that's just misusing yeah. that. Um, well, good. So, you know, uh, speaking of Centurion, we move on. And, you know, when I think of Centurion, I do think of Captain Wild here. You know, oh. I, I, this is this is in this story. I come to the table and I think of uh, you know. Uh, for, I guess do that. Can you still be called be Captain Wall? Um, <laughs> no, I, I I think you have to be actually retired to keep your rank. So I think. Oh, okay. Um, All right. Well, just just having resigned the commission doesn't allow you to hold on to that title anymore. In, in my mind, had we been in first century Palestine, <laughs> I think he would have been a, a centurion soldier for sure. Uh, but uh, so but the insight, I think, is important because we're going to see this throughout, again, the Gospels. We're going to see it in Acts. Uh, the, the idea, what is a centurion? David said, you know, over 100 soldiers, mm -hmm. plus or minus, you know, that was kind of the rank. And in our mind, we think, all right battles, they, they earned their stripes, right? Unlike a lot of other leaders in the Roman Empire, uh, they weren't positioned or commissioned based on their family or their social standing. It was like, hey, he's a great warrior. He, he earned his stripes here. Let's promote him. And But yet there was little sort of battle uh, opportunities at this point that we know of. And that the majority of all centurions were sort of um, street cops, beat cops, you know, the, 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 the sheriff's officer, the, mm -hmm. the sort of the, 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 the captain or the major, or, you know, that rank and um, making sure the taxes get moved from the booth, you know, to the collection place securely. Right. A little bit of Brinks work there. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, just uh, crucifixions, overseeing the crucifixions, you know, so that so there a lot of tension, a lot of friction. And yet three centurions in Scripture we see come to a faith in Jesus. We see it here. Then we see it at the cross. We see it at the end of Mark. Surely this man was the Son of God. Surely this man was a, that was a centurion. And then we see it in Acts. Mm -hmm. And you remember who that is? Cornelius. Cornelius. What do you know about Cornelius? He was the first Gentile saved. Seems to be the case, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. At least through evangelism, right? That the faith mm -hmm. saved others, but mm -hmm. 
that he heard the gospel yeah. Yeah. and uh, he came to Christ. So, um, yeah, so you kind of get in our mind who this is. And it does seem here there's some good relations that are building between this. I mean, this guy helped them build a synagogue, mm-hmm. right? So, um, again, too, too often I think it's just like we saw when we looked at the Pharisees and the religious leaders. Mm-hmm. We just kind of put them all as like, yeah. oh, that was just, they were all, that was an evil empire, right? Mm-hmm. Um, well, no, there were still, these were still humans. And we see this with the centurions and the Greeks and the yeah. Gentiles as well. And I think that's also the presence mm-hmm. of, of Jesus yeah. and, and the impact of Jesus and uh, crossing over mm-hmm. into. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So, so Centurion Wild, <laughs> no. if we can call no. him that. I don't. Well, well, let's, uh, let's go to the second pericope. Jesus, okay. Jesus has this encounter. Yes. With, with the widow. I almost get the sense that oh, like... Yeah. You know, the funeral procession's going on, and um, they just kind of stumble upon things. And uh, Jesus reaches out, and he touches the beer. Yeah. And I I wonder, uh, you kind of, this isn't a word we use very often. Maybe it's one to tuck away, and we could pull it out for Scrabble. But other than that, like, it's not a word that comes up in our everyday vocabulary. So what was this, David? And why was touching it such a big deal? And you know, was, yeah. was this intentional on Jesus' part, or was this just kind of a casual, nonchalant thing? And he, w- w- what's your thought on this? Yeah, so, and, and that's one of our questions in the study guides this week, so I hope that, that we kind of dig into that with the groups. But, you know, I, I, from my understanding, the, the, the beer, I, I think it's easy to say buyer or beer, but the beer, um, is, it's a combination of platform that the coffin or the body lays on and stand. Mm-hmm. But it, it, I, I, in my mind, I kind of go to like how the, the ambulance units have those stretchers, mm-hmm. you know, and the legs pop out and you wheel it and then the pot, they pop back in and you, uh-huh. uh, and, and, you know, we still have that today yeah. with the hearse and the funeral, the, the coffin, mm-hmm. what carries the coffin. So it was sort of the ceremonial platform. That's my understanding. I don't know if you have seen That's similar or, to, like you could use it as a, as a stand, maybe before the right. body was going to go into the ground or into, right. the, into the tomb or, um, also used to transport to, to carry it right to, to the, to the yeah. gravesite. And so regardless, because it was in contact with a dead body, then it itself also would have been, un, uh, ceremonially unclean. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you certainly could not touch that. I mean, there was certainly a restriction against that. And, and the, the message here, the emphasis, the emphasis here is that Jesus is impervious to that. He's not defiled, mm-hmm. right? Otherwise you would say you're, he's defiled, but he's not defiled. And even further, it's almost like the teaching on the Sabbath. Um, he, yeah. You know, they point to him, you could point to him and say, wait, 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 you're unclean. But then there's life. There's no longer death. Right. It's like, oh, wait. <laughs> I guess he can't be defiled. Right? <laughs> it's yeah. like, oh. But yeah, so I think that's just really the mm-hmm. the aspect of Jesus sort of overcoming both death, the authority yeah. of death, but also just uh, he, he's not defiled, uh, you know, in the ways that, that uh, religiously or that we might be. And he was demonstrating that. Any thought? Do you get that picture in your mind when you read that part? Yeah. The the the, the, the beer and I like like to imagine scripture, especially yeah, 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 like yeah. in the gospels, 
and like seeing Jesus. So one of the schools I did in Wyoming was actually memorizing 40% of Luke. So we memorized that story. This passage here? Yeah, the village of Nain. And so I like to try to imagine what like the people's faces were as they were, because they would have known that Jesus would have been considered unclean Mm -hmm. had he touched the body, you know? So I'm imagining like what they're thinking, because there's great crowds with the woman and Jesus has his disciples with him too. So they're probably all like, what is he doing? But then he wakes up like, the dead boy comes back to life <laughs> and great fear swept, swept the crowd. Yeah. And they said, God visited his people. So it shows God's authority through Jesus, like over even the dead. Yeah. And I think it, yeah, makes it at the end, it says, and they glorified God. So I think that it also shows like Jesus performs these miracles for people in order to give God glory. Yeah. 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 And that, that collective sort of gasp, yeah, go, when he touched it, you know, like, <gasps> <laughs> you know, you kind of yeah. pointing and talking, and what's going to mm-hmm. happen, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so you know, I hope that that's something that um, uh, why why touching it, it was a big deal. Why Luke recorded that, and you know, why mm-hmm. that uh, mm-hmm. kind of moved along the progression because it easily could have just said, well, you know, she said he was dead, and he he said come mm-hmm. to life, and he did. But so it was his words, but also his mm-hmm. his touch was mm-hmm. had authority. Mm-hmm. So I think that's great. Uh, yeah, does that help? Is that- yeah, I think so. And I wonder, too, if he's bringing about a paradigm shift in terms of what makes one clean and unclean. And this is kind of, uh, I I, I like your point, Um, but I wonder if in the background it's this idea, you know, like he tells the Pharisees later, like, oh, you guys watch the outside of the cup when inside, you know, you can be full of greed and lust. And um, so this idea, it's, it's what proceeds from the mouth because that comes from the heart that makes one unclean. And he's trying to yeah. reorientate how people think about clean and unclean. Yeah. Yeah. We'll start, certainly start seeing that kind of that messaging come out more and more. So yeah, yeah. absolutely. So great, great, uh, great two passages there. And so at our last look at Luke uh, this week, uh, one of the things I was thinking about was you, you've got several um, individuals, groups here, uh, you have the centurion, you've got the, the, the Jews or the elders who came on behalf of the centurion. You have the widow, you have the widow's son you know, who's mm-hmm. dead and is alive. Mm-hmm. You have the people who got... Do any of those individuals or characters, when you read through this or hear it, do, they, do you just resonate with them? Do you say, oh, I'd like to know more about them, or I can feel that, or anything in particular make you curious about any of those? Um, I mean... I think going back to the centurion and the word marvel, <laughs> yeah, I think that's yeah. what, I, like reading this section is the thing that I, like stands out the most to me and his yeah. faith. And he knew that like who Jesus was and the authority that he carried um, and the trust that he had in his faith in the Lord. So it just makes me think like, how can we today on earth make Jesus like marvel? What kind yeah. of faith makes the Lord marvel at us. So yeah. that's my yeah, takeaway. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. yeah, that's a good one. Andrew? For me, it's when Jesus uh, stumbles upon this scene mm-hmm. and he sees the widow and mm-hmm. it just says he had compassion on her. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I feel like I'm getting a, a fuller portrait of Jesus and who he is through that. And what which just stands out to me is I almost get the sense that it's like he enters into this with her and he's like, wow, that's her only son. There's no social yeah. security benefit. Maybe he's just thinking about w- what life would be like for this woman who's all alone now. Right. 
And he's just so, you know, sometimes he did miracles because it's like, well, who sinned, this man or that? And it's like, well, no one. This happened so that the glory of God might be displayed. And he he does a miracle. It seems like here he does the miracle just because he's so moved by this woman's plight. He just, he, he, he sees the pain, he sees the suffering and he says, yeah. I'm going to step into this right now because th- th- this hurt is too much. And I'm, I'm going to, mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to bring life into this situation. And I, and I think that's just a wonderful uh, little foretaste of what all of us have to look forward to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good for me. Um, I kind of, it, I think you, you touched on it earlier, but I, I sort of resonate with the people who were there. I like observing it all. Mm-hmm. And it says, you know, that fear sees them seeing all these things and then, yeah. uh, that they went away glorifying God mm-hmm. and said that God has visited his people. And it kind of harkens back to the, in a way they're saying, you know, Emmanuel, Emmanuel, like, like God's yeah. with us. We, yeah. we don't know all the facts or what's going mm-hmm. on exactly, but we know that God's in this. And I think I could, I would, you know, just kind of being in that crowd that mm-hmm. day would be something that uh, yeah. would have uh, would have been impressionable, in fact, for sure, All right, forever. Well, good. So, um, thank you, Pebbles, for joining us at the table this week. Andrew, thank you for filling in this week with David, and uh, thank you for joining us. And until we see you next week at Table Talk, uh, may we all in this following week grow in the knowledge of the power and authority of the words of Jesus, and may they strengthen our faith as we do. Blessings, friends.